Well, good morning. My name is James Foster, if I haven't met you yet, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to start in verse 8. Um, and I am uh, the pastor, church plant resident for Taylor, Texas. So Lord willing, next year, uh, next fall, we're, we're going to launch a new church in Taylor. Uh, and so I'm the pastor who's here being trained and prepared and doing a residency here uh, as we, we get ready for that work. And so uh, it's just been awesome getting to be with y'all. I've been here since July, so excited to just continue to, to grow with you guys and uh, share God's word with y'all today. Uh, we are in the Advent season, which is just a fancy church word for the coming of Jesus Christ, that he came and he was born, uh, this lowly birth. This is amazing. Uh, you might be wondering what's what's up with these candles. Well, there's these candles that represent these things in Advent. So there's the hope candle here, the peace candle here, and then the joy candle is week three. This is the third week of Advent. And it's also known as the shepherd's candle, which is cool because we're going to be talking about the shepherds today. And they were the first witnesses. And uh, as we've been doing this Advent series, we've been talking about how you will respond to the incarnation of Jesus. And so week one, Pastor Michael shared with us from God's word about Mary and Joseph, about the parents that God chose for our Savior. Uh, what we saw from them was this incredible obedience. They, they heard from these angels, they were terrified, but then they, they obeyed and they had this exemplary way of hearing the word of God and obeying it. And then last week, what we heard from Pastor Bobby was this response of praise because we're worshipers. We were made to worship. And as we see these people hear this good news, they respond with worship and with praise. And that's what we were all made to do as worshipers. And this week, what we're going to look at is the shepherds as the first witnesses. And what's cool is that you'll see both of those things that we talked about the first few weeks. We'll see obedience with the shepherds. We'll see worship with the shepherds, but also we'll see that they get to be the first witnesses. And so this is another response that we have to the good news of Jesus is sharing it. And so we'll get to look at that together today. As we look at the first witnesses, you might be like, man, I'm uncomfortable already. Uh, leave it to the church planner to talk about evangelism during Christmas. This is Christmas. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, this is this is the right response to good news of great joy is sharing it with others. And so we're going to see the shepherds do that today. And what, what I love about this text, too, is that we also see how we can move from this place of fear, which was their initial response to this good news of great joy, to this place of joy, to this place of peace, to this place of boldly sharing the hope of Jesus. And so uh, before we look at the text, though, there are a few reasons that we might not be excited about witnessing, why we might have that uncomfortable feeling already stirring up in us. Uh, one of those is fear. We resist being a witness because of fear. I don't know the right things to say. I might look stupid. Uh, I'm not that important. They'll think I'm weird. And I would say, uh, we're going to see in the text, God's word respond to this whole idea of fear. But I would say this, it's, it's more weird. In America, nine out of 10 homes celebrate Christmas. And Christmas is like our thing, right? Like, the only hope that we have is that a savior would be born and born in human flesh that he could justify all man. Anyone who would believe in him could be saved because he was born as a baby, right? And so this is like our thing. Christmas is our thing. It's not, it's not, we shouldn't have to apologize for sharing Jesus and the hope that we have on Christmas, right? Amen. 
Thank you, Daniel. We, we don't need to apologize for sharing uh, the only hope that we have on Christmas because this is the true meaning of Christmas. And while nine out of 10 homes in America will celebrate, the amount that ascribe the right meaning to Christmas is decreasing. And, and that would be maybe like seven out of 10, according to a Pew Research thing I saw last week. And so uh, a second reason we might resist being his witnesses is because of disobedience. We know the right thing to do, but we're like, that's not my job. I don't want to do that. I'm good. So we just say, no thanks. And a third reason that we might not share, that we might resist, would be busyness. I've got other work to do. I've got other things to do to prepare for Christmas. I don't have time to be a witness. I've got, I've got to work on some other things. We'll get to see through God's word how the shepherds overcame these things to be faithfully the first witnesses that you probably wouldn't have chosen if you were like trying to write this thing yourself. You wouldn't have said, hey, let's choose the smelly guys that nobody likes that are rejected by everybody. Let's choose the social outcasts, the marginalized, those ones that are perpetually unclean so nobody listens to. Let's use those guys to see this thing and to share this good news. That doesn't make any sense. But yet, God in his counterintuitive, countercultural way uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the humble, available, obedient to be his witnesses. So let's look at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The same region, it's talking about Bethlehem. That's the region where Jesus was born. There are shepherds. They're, they're working the night shift. As I kind of alluded to, they're social outcasts. They're, this is a humble profession. The, this might be like... The guy working the night shift at Taco Bell, you're thankful they're there so you can go get your, your fix, but you're not really looking up to uh, their profession. You're, you're kind of looking down on them if uh, we're honest about it. And so they're, they're keeping watch over their uh, flock by night. They're unimportant to man, but they're important to God. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around, the, around them. The cool thing about the angel, uh, if you've look at the Greek, or if you've heard this before, uh, the word angel means messenger. Uh, And so yes, it's an angel, but there's this messenger that shows up. And what he does is he brings a message from God, and then he empowers them to be his messengers of that message. Uh, So it's cool that he, he, a messenger, empowers these guys to be messengers. And their response is what you see typically with anybody who sees an angel, they're freaked out. There's this fear, this great fear. Uh, literally in the Greek, that means they feared a great fear. They're f- terrified. They don't know what's going to happen. They're maybe afraid of judgment. We don't know exactly why they're afraid, but we know that they're afraid. Verse 10 says this, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. He calms their fear. He says, fear not. Behold, look at this. Listen up. This is a huge deal. We we don't use behold enough today. I bring you good news. This is the gospel. Same word as we see for gospel is good news of great joy. Why is it great joy? It's the best news ever that will fill anyone who would believe with this fullness of joy to anyone who would receive this good news. And who's it for? All 
of the people. Not just the, the rich, not just not the deserving, it's for all the people. Luke's writing to uh, an upper class uh, audience with, uh, you, you see in uh, his Luke 1, uh, as he addresses the letter, he talks to his dearest Theophilus, right? Likely a very rich guy, Gentile guy. And he's saying, hey, look at, look at who the angels told this great news, this good news of great joy to, the least of these, the shepherds. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, Savior, when we see this word in the Old Testament, it only means, it's only referring to God, uh, and it's, it's speaking of him in a way of he, he's the one who delivers his people from evil and from harm. God has been born in human flesh in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the long-awaited, anointed one. And I loved how Bobby talked about uh, last week that they're, they're thinking about something that we hope for, right? And something that maybe we just have to hope a few months for that's like, man, that's hard, really hard for us. Or maybe something that we've been waiting like since we were a small child for like marriage. Like that's really hard to like wait and wait and wait. But like imagine that thing that not just you're hoping for all of your life, but your parents hoped for all their life that their parents hoped for all of their lives, that their parents hoped for all their lives. This is a long-awaited, anointed one, the Messiah. And he's going to give them a sign so they know that this is the right, the right baby. <laughs> and it's this baby that's going to be wrapped up in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, not where you'd expect a baby in, in a feeding trough. Verse 13, what happens next is incredible. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This innumerable amount of angels shows up. It's like a a flash mob that just pops up on the scene. And it's not just like a flash mob, but it's like, like the best concert ever, right, of these angels that were created by God to worship they're doing exactly what they were made for because they're hearing this good news. That they had been with Jesus in the throne room worshiping him. And they hear this good news of great joy that he is going to be born this lowly birth. He's going to take on human flesh. This is incredible. And so they do what they know how. They do what only they, the only thing they can do in this case, which is praise. They worship him. And they say, glory to God. They're giving honor for how beautiful this thing is. And on earth, peace. And this isn't like peace, like, hey, everybody get along because it's Christmas and we should just try to have peace here. This is like uh, we can be reconciled with a holy and perfect God, a sinful man, because of this good news of great joy. There's peace among those with whom he is pleased. Everyone who belongs to him will have this this favor of God on them, this sovereign good pleasure on us. Those who belong to him rejoice at the Savior's birth. And there's peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. And so if you're a note taker, uh, here's, here's a chance for you. God entrusted his shepherds with good news. He entrusted shepherds with good news. These shepherds weren't Important to people, but they were important to God. 
God entrusted shepherds with good news. They weren't respected. They were perpetually unclean. They were marginalized. They were the least of these. But God, in the way that he does, he breaks through the wisdom of man with the wisdom of God. And he says, if I'm going to bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people, I'm going to make sure that all the people are included in this. And so he, he takes the least of these to proclaim this great news. What's, what's cool about the shepherds uh, is that their job was to watch over the, the flocks by night, right? Their job was to, to keep track of uh, these lambs, these sheep that would be used for, most likely, uh, sacrifice in the Bethlehem temple. And so their job was to make sure that if a, a lamb was born, that it would be uh, worthy of being used in a sacrificial way, that it would be without blemish, without wrinkle, without spot. It wouldn't be injured from just trying to run and do things that it can't do yet because it's not strong enough, right? Because it's just a baby. And so they would, they would see uh, lambs and make sure that they're presentable for the Bethlehem temple. And so it's incredible that God while taking uh, the least of these, would also consider how can we, how can we have uh, something, let's add a little extra layer in there, right? Of these shepherds, what they would do is they would wrap the newborn lambs in swaddling cloth so that they wouldn't hurt it. They wouldn't be hurt. They wouldn't get hurt. They would still be presentable for sacrifice. And Luke is pointing this out because at the birth of the Savior, the sacrificial lamb of God, who would live the perfect life that we could never live, who would die on the cross for us, he would be the sacrificial lamb for us. He would raise from the dead to show that he has victory over that. His substitutionary sacrifice would take away our sin. He would be the lamb of lambs. And he's going to bring the shepherds to come and see his birth to come and see uh, him wrapped in swaddling cloth. And what's cool about this, um, that God entrusted the shepherds with good news, is, is also that, that we have been entrusted with the best news ever. Like It meant a lot to them in that moment for them to see the angels and for them to get the concert experience, like Hillsong, Maverick City, whatever your, whatever your jam is, right? Like the best concert ever. They're there for that. And then they're, they're passing on this song for us to sing it way later. But... It means so much more for us because we know that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God. We know that he would live that perfect life. We know that he would go to the cross, that he would die to take away all of our sins so that we wouldn't have to once a year go to the temple and find a blemishless lamb to offer as a sacrifice for our sin, right? Because he is our once for all sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. This is our only hope as Christians. So God God allows us also to be his witnesses. We are entrusted with the best news ever. And we just have we have to feel like the shepherds, this this joy of hey, everyone's gotta know this. This is the best news ever. I've got I've been entrusted with it. And my job is to share that good news. And as I, as I say that, I know like some of us are like, well, I, I don't know about evangelism. That's not really my thing. Well, I would say this. It starts with caring. And, and for us to care, uh, we can grow the amount that we care by, one, recognizing we are God's plan A to reveal his good news 
to his people. Uh, and two, um, we, we pray for the people that God has placed in our lives because there are people in your life that will never walk through the doors of this church. But they're in your life. God has entrusted them to you. He's entrusted you with the best news ever. He's given you this great news, this good news of great joy that is for all people. And nine out of ten are celebrating, and a lot of them not even knowing why. So like, you might be like, well, I don't want to be weird. Well, it's weird for us to not talk about it when they're doing the things and don't know what they're doing it for, right? And so everyone, everyone must know, and as we start by praying for opportunities, I think that's a, that's a prayer that God loves to answer. So as, as we would just pray and say, God, uh, who would you have me share with? Would you give me an opportunity to share the hope that I have in you today? And just see what happens. So that'd be my invitation uh, for that, to, to recognize that you too have been entrusted with good news and to pray for opportunities to share that. Okay, back in the text, verse 15. The angels, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So as soon as they left, the angels, the angels left, the shepherds are moved into obedience. They're moved into action. They said, let us go. And it's saying they said it to one another. It's not just one that's like the weird one that's saying, hey, I'm going to go. See ya. No, they're they're saying, let us go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They know that the angels didn't just come for the awesome uh, performance or the awesome moment, like that mountaintop moment of of getting to see the glory, a glimpse of the glory of God. No, the angels came to empower them for this mission. And let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It's awesome that the Lord made this known to them for them to make it known to others. And so they went with haste. Say that with me, with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They, they had prompt obedience to what was shared with them. Uh, this is important. And, and just as they had... Just as the angel had said, they were going to see the baby lying in the manger. And verse 17 says this, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So the angels made it known to them. They're making it known to everyone who's around. Everyone who had listened to them, they're going to share this great news with. And, and what did they tell them? They told them, hey, this is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. They're proclaiming this great news to anyone who would listen. And so the second thing we see in this, uh, this text is this, that the shepherds faithfully shared good news. They heard a message, they shared the message. These are the shepherds. They faithfully shared good news. These are normal, untrained men who shared faithfully what they knew. And, and they weren't like, well, they're just going to poke holes in our argument, right? Like, should we go to seminary first and get really trained so we don't look stupid? No, they just, they just shared what they knew, and it was enough. And I think about this, how the shepherds faithfully shared good news, and I think about our evangelism team who goes out every week at 11 o'clock during third service. We have a team that goes, and they go door to door, and they, they share the good news of great joy that a Savior has been born that we can all have life by 
believing in his name. And the way that this usually looks is we go to a door and we say, uh, hey, we're here from Huddle Bible Church. Uh, we're, we're just seeing, we know that times are kind of crazy. Uh, is there any way that we can pray for you today? So we're asking people, can we pray for them? And then as they share, uh, we, we might also ask them if we can ask them a spiritual, converse, a spiritual question. And if they're open to that, then we might ask them um, if they know for sure that they have eternal life or if that's something that they're still working on. And based on how that's going, uh, we're, we're going to share with them. We're going to see if there's a way for us to pray for them, a way for us to serve them. And then if, if the opportunity is there, then we might share the gospel with them. That's, that'd be a hope that we, we would have there, right? And so as we go and we share, uh, it's not like there's this crazy, perfect presentation that, that's happening every time. No, we're just going and sharing very plainly the good news of great joy that Jesus has been born that he lived the perfect life that we could never live, that he died on the cross, the death that we deserve, that he rose from the dead so that anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. And then we're saying, is that something you're interested in? Are you, does that make sense to you? And I think about this, and I think a lot of times we can make it more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, and I think about, about a month ago, I went out with Caleb McBride, and he's a high school senior uh, who had been trained to do backyard Bible clubs. And so if you come out with us, we're not going to just like throw you in the fire. We're going to say, hey, what are you comfortable with doing? And let's, let's kind of start there, right? And so some people might just be starting a conversation. Some people might just be there listening and watching. Just like, I want to be a part of this, but I don't know if I can talk yet. Let's, let me just come and be a part of it. And so I'm, I'm kind of gauging where Caleb's at. And he says, well, I'm really comfortable sharing with kids, but that's it. Because that's kind of all I've done so far. So like, I, I'm just here. I'm happy to be here. I want to just be a part of it, but kids is my preference. So I'm like, okay, we'll see what we can do. We don't know if we're going to see kids or if that's, that's not usually the uh, target demographic that we run into, but we'll see what we can do. And so we go and we're, we're sharing. And at one of the houses that day, there's a mom. And as we're, we're walking through the conversation, it's pretty clear that she has trusted Jesus. She knows that, that she belongs to the Lord. She knows that she's saved. She knows that uh, she has eternal life because she's trusted in Jesus Christ alone for her salvation. And as we're talking to her, she's got a, a third grade daughter that's just like clung to her hip if you will. Like she hasn't moved the whole time. She's just there and she's listening. As we ask her, the third grade daughter, those, those questions, we say, are you confident that you have eternal life or is that something that you're still working on? She doesn't know. She's not confident. And so Caleb, not knowing much or not wanting to share much, is just there and he's ready to share with kids. And God answers that prayer by providing a, a small child that needs to hear the gospel. And so Caleb gets to share the gospel, and it's this, this beautiful gospel presentation, and she trusts in Jesus. And so this mom has her prayer answered for her daughter that she would trust in the Lord. We get to see the kingdom move forward through faithful proclaiming, and, and God meets us where we are. You don't have to know everything. Just share what you know, and we'll see what, what God does with that. Getting very practical again. Start by praying for opportunities. Maybe seek out some training opportunities. Two, share with those that God has placed in your life. Don't make it complicated. Be like the shepherds. Just share what you know. And, and I would say share with those God places in your life as in those that are your friends, that are already your friends, 
those that are your relatives, those that are your acquaintances, just people you run into. Maybe you frequent a coffee shop. You see a lot of the same people there. Start to build conversations there, build relationships there so that you might share the hope that you have. Maybe there's neighbors in your life. Maybe there's coworkers in your life. And those aren't there by accident. God has sovereignly placed everyone in your life for a reason. And he, he uses us as his witnesses. We get to be his witnesses because we've been entrusted with the best news ever. I know some of us won't. We, we just won't come and be a part of the evangelism team. And honestly, we don't have room for you if you all, if you all showed up today, right? There's, there's not a plan. There's not a logistical way for that to happen. It would be incredible if, if we did have that kind of response and we'd, we'd make a plan very quickly. Right, Scott? But... But we would have to, uh, we have to, more, more likely for all of us, and I would say that, that more lasting fruit for all of us will be those that God has already placed in your life, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, that don't have the same hope that we do. And so as we start to pray for opportunities, we start to pray and we start to really think about certain people in our lives, and then we just say, okay, Lord, whenever that opportunity is there, I'm going to follow it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, and I'm going to share, and I'm going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to share the only hope that I have because you've changed my life with this. Remembering that success in evangelism, success in witnessing is this, that we share the gospel, the good news, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we leave the results to God. We don't do the saving. We don't do the closing. It's not like we've got to close this deal. No, we, we're trusting God and His Spirit and His timing uh, to do the saving. Another thing that's helpful for me is just these three questions, which is my philosophy of ministry is just asking this as I'm, as I'm approaching this with anybody. I'm saying, okay, who are you? I actually care about you more than this message that I have, but I want to know who you are. Like who, who are your family? Who's your, um, what's your occupation? What do you do? Uh, what are some, uh, what do you do for recreation? What do you do for fun? What makes you tick? And, and like, what is your mission in life? Like who, I want to really know that person before I start to share with them. And then I'm I'm saying, okay, well, where are they spiritually? Do they have any spiritual beliefs? Do they have any background with church? What does that look like? And then the third question I ask is, how can I help you take the next step? So it might not be a gospel presentation that day, but maybe I'm inviting you to dinner at my house the next week. And it says those relationships are built. It says those next steps are happening that we're able to see uh, the Lord provide those opportunities that we're praying for instead of just forcing them and being like the, hey, have you met my savior guy, right? Which works for some people. And I'm not one of those people, but uh, it works. So I'm not bashing it. So we see that uh, God entrusted the shepherds with good news, that the shepherds faithfully proclaimed that good news. They faithfully shared that good news. And now what's the response? What do we see? And this is kind of the the whole series, what we're seeing is how will you respond to Jesus? How do people respond to this good news? Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered. They were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So all who heard it, not just the people who heard it right there and then, but also uh, presumably they went from there and they were just sharing this good news with whoever they saw Anyone who heard it wondered at what the shepherds 
told them. But Mary treasured up all these things. So she's, she's got this response of not just wonder, but also amazement of treasuring these things, of pondering them. Uh, she's putting it all together like, I know I heard this from an angel. I know Joseph heard this from an angel. I know that the scripture says this. I know that these shepherd guys just showed up. So let me like put all of this together. What does it mean? But it led her to worship. She's treasuring these things in her heart. And then even with the shepherds, they were also led to worship. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Their response is worship as well. They're giving God the honor that he is due. This is always our natural response to the things that we love, right? Uh, you were made to worship. And, and I can say that, and I, I know, like, as people who are made to worship, we can a lot of times worship the wrong things, right? So as a Texas A&M football fan, I've, I've placed my uh, worth and identity in the wrong spot many times, and I've been let down many times. And, and they do just enough to keep me hoping, but then they keep letting me down. And as a, a Dallas Cowboy fan, I'm, I'm, this is our year. This could be it, right? But I might have thought something very similar for the past 20 years. And I'm st- I, I just keep getting let down. And so as, as worshipers, we have this ability to worship and place our hope in these things and build them up as, as great things that will bring us great joy. And we even like to talk about them and to talk about how great they are to other people. Like that's how our joy gets even more full is sharing that thing like we were made to talk about it. But we put it in like flimsy things that will let us down. And here we have a firm hope, the hope of all the world. Jesus Christ, who would leave angelic worship and praise to be born and placed in a stable, placed in a manger. He would be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The shepherds returned. They're praising God. They're glorifying God for all they had heard and seen. They, they weren't just secondhand witnesses of like the angels saying, hey, you got to see this. This is awesome. They also saw it themselves. They saw people's wonder. They saw the Savior lying in the manger. It led them to worship. And these things are connected, right? Our obedience fuels our worship. As we understand our identity as worshipers, as we understand our identity as witnesses and we obey It leads us to more worship because we know God more, we love him more, and then we're more obedient to him. There's not a category for uh, I know you and I love you, but it doesn't change my life. It leads us to action. And I'm not saying just in the way of witnessing, but that is a way that oftentimes we will see. And, And what's cool is that they got to see God work. They got to see that wonder, that amazement. They got to be the ones to proclaim to Mary and Joseph that their son was born a savior. And so the third thing we see here is that sharing good news brought wonder and it brought worship. Sharing good news brought wonder and worship. And this is what happens when we faithfully walk with the Lord. That, that God allows us to be uh, obedient, that, that we have this worship that leads to obedience because those two are so intimately connected, that that worship and that obedience leads us to witnessing, to sharing that good news of great joy with all people because it is for all the people. And then that 
walking by faith and living by faith allows us to be blown away by what God does with our broken efforts, that we don't have the perfect gospel presentation, that sometimes it is awkward, that sometimes we experience rejection, but God delights in us. We have uh, his favor, his sovereign good pleasure is upon us because we fear him. What's awesome is that that our worship fuels our obedience and our obedience reinforces our worship that this is our king. What's awesome is that as we share today, we still see that, that sharing good news brings wonder and worship. Uh, two weeks ago, I went out with the evangelism team and I'm sharing with this guy. His name is Johnny. And as I share with Johnny, he, he's looking kind of like this. I, I can't ever really tell what, what's going to happen. But I'm like, does this make sense to you? And he says, uh, I don't. I don't know. I've never heard this before. And, and I've just got to, I've got to put some of this together. I, I need some more time. And so I left him a little tract and my name and a phone, my phone number. It's always better if you get their phone number, really. But I do, I guess I do know where he lives. Uh, so I could go, go back and visit him. There's this, this wonder that happens that sometimes people, they don't put it together. They don't, they don't just believe. It's not like you're guaranteed a hundred percent success rate. No, God is sovereign and he's overseeing all of this and he has a plan for this. And our job isn't to save, it's just to proclaim the best news ever and leave the results to God. And so it leads oftentimes to wonder. And I would say, uh, like thinking about Johnny, like Johnny is not the only, we might think like small town Hutto, like this is God's country, right? Surely everybody's heard the good news by now. No, <laughs> there are a lot of neighbors that have never heard the gospel before that need to put it together. And, and we are God's plan to share the hope of the world with him. We are God's plan to share his hope with them. And so we also see worship. We see salvations. We do see uh, over the past 10, 11 weeks, we've seen, we've had over 100 spiritual conversations. We've had about 50 gospel presentations, and we've had 11 people trust in Jesus. 11 salvation, 11 people praying to receive Christ. Professions of faith. Sharing good news still brings wonder and worship today. And it, it leads me to just say, God, who am I that you would that you would consider me? Who am I that you would use me to advance your kingdom here? And that leads us to this question. Um, as the band comes up, here's the, here's the question. How will you respond to good news? If you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to consider trusting in him alone for your salvation. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. This is the good news. And if you have questions about that, I'd encourage you to talk to me uh, after the service. I'd love to answer any questions you might have. And if you're here and you are a Christian, I want to remind you of Acts 1.8, where the resurrected Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Do you see yourself as a, wit oh, as a witness? Your worship and your obedience should lead you into being his witness. So who will you share with? And a lot of us, we wrote down a name um, when, we, when we 
had until blank knows when we had the big celebration in the tent, um, we wrote down a name of who we would share with. And as we think about who we would share with, I think uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's this question of there's a person that you've already, there's a friend, it's a relative, it's an acquaintance, it's a neighbor, it's a coworker, it's somebody that's in your life that you already have been thinking about, you've already been praying about sharing with them. And so as we are walking this thing out, as we're moving forward, I want you to continue to pray about them, pray for them. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray and I praise you uh, for those who you have brought to remembrance right now. And I pray, uh, praising you, Lord, for the witnesses that are in this room, Lord, that you have brought your people to worship you in this season, that you've brought your people to remember you in this season, your lowly birth. And Lord, I praise you for this incredible plan that you would be born in this lowly birth so that we could have a chance, so that we could trust in you. Lord, we praise you for that. And I pray, Lord, for everyone who we're thinking of, Lord, that you would start to draw them to yourself, that you would start to lead them to know you and to trust you. And I pray that you would use the men and women in this room to share the best news ever with them, to build your kingdom for your glory. We love you. And we need you for that. So Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we continue in worship, we're going to take communion together. So if you would, come and grab the elements, and then we'll take them together. As we take communion together, I wonder. The shepherds would come, and they would see the Lamb of God who would die to take away the sins of the earth, the once-for-all sacrifice that would break his body on the cross, that would call himself the good shepherd. He says in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father And I lay down my life for the sheep. He lays it down so that we could be his people. This is his body broken for you. Take and eat. Later in that text, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. He shed his blood for us, his people. He's our one shepherd. Take and drink. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We trust you as we continue in worship through singing your praise. Uh, Lord, would you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when... The shepherds heard from the angels. They responded with this prompt obedience, right? And when the disciples heard from Jesus, who had resurrected, and then they watch him ascend, uh, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, right? They're still standing there. And men in white look at them and and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven, 
will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What are you doing? We got work to do. Let's go. And so uh, before we dismiss, I'd love to have our evangelism team come forward so we can pray over them and the the going that's going to happen this morning. Um, And so if you're here and you're on the evangelism team, make your way up and we're going to pray over you. But also, uh, if you're up for it, before we do that, I'd love for you to turn your hands this way. And and I want to pray for you as his witnesses first. I want to start with praying for you that we would all receive uh, his power, that we would be confident, that we would be sent. And so let's pray this way, and then we'll, after uh, that, we're going to extend hands and pray over our evangelism team. Uh, Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room, that you have formed us, that you've called us first to be children of God. We rejoice that our names are written in the book of life. Thank you. And I thank you that you not only allow us to be worshipers of yours, but you also allow us to be your witnesses. So I pray that you would give us boldness, that you give us courage, that you give us faithfulness, that you give us eyes to see those who we could share this good news with. Would you grow in us a passion, a desire to share the best news ever? We love you. We need your help for that. And now, Lord, as we extend our hands over our Uh, brothers that are going out this morning, Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness, that you give the rest of the team boldness as they go. And as they share the best news ever, I pray for salvations. I pray for your kingdom to move forward through us, your people. We love you. We trust you. We need you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So church, you you are loved. You are sent. Go and be his witnesses.